It's that time of week again. Another awkward intro. Hooray! How are you two doing this evening? I'm excited. Pumped. <laughs> Christina's making. Oh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> Some interesting faces. Lots of shrugging going on. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but we're here. Talk about more- movies to distract us from the bullshit. That's right. Temple Grandin to the bullshit. Well, since we're talking about things we're ambivalent about, let's talk about uh, the royal family. <laughs> no, uh, that was a terrible segue. Uh, yes, uh, since we're doing the King's Speech this week, we're going to talk about films we like that are centered around royal family members. Okay. So, uh, who would like to kick us off with some movies they liked featuring royalty? <laughs> I'll uh, I'll I'll mention one and then Christina can go because <laughs> she has a look on her face that sounds like it's going to be exciting. <laughs> I'm going to say the uh, the animated Anastasia movie. Oh, that's is a, a good pick. That is I didn't nice. think of that one. I was I was looking at lists of uh, royal family movies and I was like, you know, some of these are good movies. I just don't really care that much about the families. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like. Anastasia, that's lovely. That is that is a lovely film. That's a good pick. That's Thanks. a really good pick, Zach. Y'all ready for my terrible pick? Uh, always yes. ready. <laughs> okay, work with me here. I so when I thought about royal families, I thought of Wizards from 1977, the animated film. Hell yeah! Oh my gosh, <laughs> Ralph Bakshi. I love that film. Very unironically, so. That's yeah. my pick. <laughs> As I feel that's, most people should. That's amazing. I It's been so long since I've seen that. I need to watch it again. Indeed. I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll throw a pick out there since, uh, since we're, you guys have stayed mostly in the animated realm. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the family realm of okay. uh, royalty that I love. And uh, I love Gary Marshall's The Princess Diaries, part one and two. Well, I'm glad you went before me because I would have stolen it because that's my <laughs> that's the other one I have, The Princess Diaries. It's such a lovely couple of films. It is. And I mean, uh, you know, you can't beat Julie Andrews in anything either. So That's true. That's I mean, true. And I'm a big Anne Hathaway fan. I yeah. Know a lot of people crap on her for being too, like, theater kid, whatever the hell that means. Whatever. Big, big finger quotes. I like theater kid energy. <laughs> Mostly being a theater kid myself. Yeah, no, I, I was like, as I was looking at the list, you know, Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews, whether or not, you know, the characters are good as well, but I, I just couldn't, couldn't deny them. So, so, yeah. Any other picks anyone wants to throw out? Because I, I got a, I got another one in the tank. That's all I had. That's all you had. <laughs> uh, okay, well, then my other one was Yorgos Lanthimos is the favorite. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's incredible. Okay. Writing that down. It's a, it's a good one. Uh, it's the one that um, Olivia Coleman won her Oscar for, which oh, we'll that, that's be right. ta- talking about real soon. Uh, Rachel Weiss and um, Emma Stone are both in it. and mm-hmm. Just a wonderful time at the movies. Good. Yeah, was that... Uh, just a couple years ago or last year? 
Uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. I'd like to say that was 2018 or 2019. Yeah. So there, there's tons of good uh, royal family movies. Like, you know, we've talked about The Queen's a good movie. You know, Elizabeth. I just, it's hard to really, really look at the families and be like, hmm, I like those people because they're not always the most likable people. That's yeah. why I guess we go with animated and family fe- features because they make us feel better. Well, the favorite's not about a lot of likable people, but it's a, it's a really movie. good movie. Okay. Well, okay. So now we've got uh, a movie here that's got a family that's been covered a lot in media. So why don't we talk about this movie? Yes, let's talk about this movie. beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman i'm zach mccoy and i'm christina <laughs> and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscars the podcast the show where we discuss oscar owners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what film are we watching this week zach we are watching jeffrey and the giant peach i mean uh the king's speech the story <laughs> of king george the sixth is it <laughs> yes and his Grabbing hold of the mic and trying to save the world or something like that. Or something like that. <laughs> Him losing himself in the moment. He owns it. Yeah. You better never let it go. Exactly. All right. Is this everybody's first time watching the King's Speech? No. No. Christina, do you remember your first time seeing this film? It was very recent. I don't know if it was the beginning of this year or the end of last year. But it's definitely been within the last six to eight months that I've watched it before. Cool. Very nice. Zach, how about you? So 2010 was a year where I was I had a little bit more free time. I, I was finishing up college, uh, didn't have kids yet, so I was watching pretty much anything I wanted to. So I did not see it in theaters, but I watched it very legally in my, the comfort of my home before... <laughs> Before the Oscars. That sounds legal. That sounds very legal. Yep. Uh, I myself did see it in the theaters, and I thought it was just fine. Mm-hmm. But um, this was the year that my wife, then girlfriend, and I uh, threw our first big Oscar party. Yes. And we had friends uh, make dishes in a potluck. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, theme those dishes around the nominees. Right. And bring them to our home to win awards based on picks. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm extra dishes. mad at Jonathan for not being here because he was supposed to look for an award he won. Uh, he wasn't there this year. So oh, it was the next year. So it's next year. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, the dish that I ended up making for this party was the King's Peach Cobbler. That's lovely. That's awesome. <laughs> so I make a pretty mean peach cobbler. So was it only just it was just based on nominees, best picture nominees, or any nominee? Any nominees. Um, any other particular one stick out in your memory? Was this the year Toy Story three was nominated? Yeah. Yes. Um, why are you laughing at me? 
My wife's laughing at me for milk. No, that wasn't this year. <laughs> no, that was that was two years before. I think Salt was nominated this year. No, salt? that might have been two years before <laughs> <No>. too. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, let's see. The kids are all right. Was nominated. So was um, Mark Ruffalo was nominated for best supporting actor. Oh, and, uh, my my friend and his girlfriend now wife brought. Mm-hmm. Buffalo Wild Wings to the party mm-hmm. and called them Mark Ruffalo Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> awesome. Um, then uh, another friend of mine, there, there's this long joke about us making bacon shakes. So they brought like a magic bullet and made milkshakes with everyone and they made a bacon shake and said that they were Ham's bacon shake, Ham from Toy Story 3. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I would really need to like go through pictures and try to figure out all the yeah all the things, but well, yeah, nice. we had some we had a lot of creative friends. They were gotta bring that back. I want to one of these days. It just it's it's we, hard. We were doing it when we first moved back, and I'll try to have stories about that as we go. But uh, once we had children, and it was just hard. And then all <laughs> of our friends started having children, and COVID, and everything. It, it yeah. just got hard to keep up with having tons like the last one we did we held at a pool house in one of our friends uh condo complexes and Mm -hmm. there were just too many people there gotcha (laughs) we have to be a little more uh choosy with our guest lists gotcha a couple more years and the kids will all be old enough where we start partying again that's right all right all right how about we do an Oscar breakdown? It is a mm, <laughs> oratorious, oratorious February 27th, 2011. So happy birthday to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was the Kodak Theater in Hollywood, Los Angeles. Still. Mm-hmm. Our hosts this evening are noted theater kid Anne Hathaway and her lifeless partner, James Franco. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this was a really bad. <laughs> she was giving everything and he was giving uh, bong hits, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our most nominated film of the evening is The King's Peach at 12. Our most awarded films on the evening is a tie between Inception and The King's Peach at four. <laughs> King's Peach wins Best Picture, giving Ian Channing, Emile Sherman, and Gareth Unwin uh, Academy Awards for producing. And it beats out 127 hours. Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. Still too many movies. I know it's too many movies, but I feel like it's a very strong category, and I'll talk more about that later. Okay. Uh, best director goes to Cat's director, Tom Hooper, for the King's Speech. <laughs> Forever known now as Cat's director. Well, it's his best film. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. All right. Uh, Colin Firth wins Best Actor, playing King George VI in the King's Speech. Best Actress goes to Natalie Portman for Black Swan. Hell yeah. Best Supporting actor goes to Christian Bale for The Fighter, mm-hmm. beating Jeffrey Rush for The King's Speech. Best supporting actress goes to Melissa Leo for The Fighter, beating
tweeting out Helena Bottom Carter for the King's Speech. I won't say anything about it going to Amy Adams instead. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Best Original Screenplay goes to David Seidler for the King's Speech. Best Adapted Screenplay goes to The Social Network, giving Aaron Sorkin an Academy Award. Did Did he win one for anything before this? I can't remember. Did he win no. for... Oh, he didn't no. win for... A uh, Few Good Men would good be, men. I think, the only thing he would have been in contention for, because... yeah. I can't think of anything else of his that really, like... Yeah, he, I guess he kind of hits a stride around this time. Uh, Yeah, this is his first nomination. Really? Yep. Because Warner was nominated for A Few Good Men. Okay, yeah, never mind. Probably should have been. He got nominated for a Golden Globe. Oh, okay. Also, also nominated for The American President and Charlie Wilson's War. Charlie Wilson's War is one I'm shocked he didn't get nominated for. Okay. Because the actors in that got got some recognition. Spoiler warning, he did Moneyball, right? Yes, he did do Moneyball. Okay. I'll hold my tongue. Okay. Okay. All right, best animated feature goes to Toy Story 3. Best foreign language film goes to In a Better World from Denmark. Mm. Best documentary feature goes to Inside Job, uh, which is nominated against a couple of really great documentaries. Yeah. Exit Through the Gift Shop and Restrepo. That's a, that's a good trio. Yeah, I heard Gasland is pretty good, too. I just haven't seen it. I've seen part of it, and it was frustrating, so I think I turned it off. <laughs> that sounds frustrating. <laughs> also sounds like why we will never do that category. <laughs> I know. I sound like a broken record every time we get here. All right. This documentary short subject goes to Strangers No More. Hooray. So Karen Goodman and Kirk Simon are Strangers No More to winning an Oscar. No? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I let it roll around my brain a moment. It's fair. All right. Best live action short film goes to God of Love. Best animated short film goes to The Lost Thing. Okay. Best original score goes to The Social Network, giving Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross Academy Awards. Beating out Alexandra Desplat for The King's Speech. That was like the start of their partnership, wasn't it? Or Yes, that was would... their very first film together. Okay. Nice. Um, and quick aside, John Williams Oscar watch, he's not nominated. Shit. I forgot to do the pomp and circumstance. Sorry about that. Uh, quiet lately. Feel like he's been quiet lately on the pod. Yeah, he has been. Damn him. <laughs> uh, best original song goes to Randy Newman, writing "We Belong Together" from Toy Story Three. That's the one that plays in the the like right before the credits. I haven't watched that film in a while. We belong Probably. together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Good song. Uh, there are no. Nominations for The King's Speech, but A.R. Rahman is nominated for 127 Hours with a song called If I Rise. Oh, is he, um, he on uh, Slumdog Millionaire? Yeah, he, was like the, he yeah. did the, the he, got, he got Academy Awards for the score and best song for Slumdog. That's right. Uh, he is co-nominated with Dido. I'm drinking green tea and it's cold, so my tea's gone cold. <laughs> I don't wonder why, because it was in the refrigerator. There you go. Uh, the sound editing goes to Inception. Mm -hmm. Not a surprise. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I personally feel like it should have gone to Tron Legacy, but I'm just such a Tron nerd. Was Tron Legacy nominated? Yes, it was. That's good. Okay. Moving on. Best sound mix. Oh no, Salt was nominated this year. So Salt <laughs> was Salt was one of the things we put out for our uh our just Oscar salt? party. Just salt. <laughs> okay. Awesome. We might have we might have said Angelina Jolie's salt. I don't know. <laughs> uh, best sound mixing goes to Inception, uh, beating the King's Speech. Apparently, this had exceptional sound mixing. A lot of mouth noises. Yeah. Uh, best art direction goes to Alice in Wonderland. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beating out the King's Speech. Best cinematography goes to Inception, giving Wally Pfister an Academy Award. Nice. So. All that work with the, uh, wow, his name just Nolan, Christopher Nolan, really paid yeah. off finally. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we should have been doing Roger Deakins Oscar watch at this point because he loses for True Grit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We mentioned uh, pretty much every time. So it's like it's a honorary Oscar watch. Yeah. Deakins is the man. Uh, also, Danny Cohen's in the category for The King's Speech. Okay. Best makeup goes to the Wolfman. Oh, nice. Starring Benicio del Toro. You know, I never saw that one, but yeah. Well, rest assured, uh, Rick Baker grabs another Academy Award on that one. I feel like people just see Rick Baker's name in the category and just go, "All right, I'll vote for him." <laughs> Seems it. Best costume design goes to Alice in Wonderland, giving Colleen Atwood an Academy Award. Beating Ginny Beaven for The King's Speech. Uh, best film editing goes to The Social Network. Beating out The King's Speech. Hmm. Best visual effects goes to Inception. Beating out The yeah. King's Speech. Really? No. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> what if it was the... <laughs> oh, man. Of... Okay. We all watched very different movies. Okay. <laughs> all of England was uh, CGI. I was going to say that there was definitely a lot of CGI in that, that last shot where they're standing on the balcony. <laughs> no, uh, the category is Alice in Wonderland, Harry Potter's, and the Deathly Hallows, Part 1's, Hereafter, and Iron Man 2. Okay. Hereafter is Clint Eastwood, right? Uh, yes. Another one I didn't see. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. All right. Uh, on to our honorary awards. We have Kevin Brownlow. For the wise and devoted chronicling of the cinematic parade. Okay. He's a British film historian, television documentary filmmaker, author, and film editor. Cool. Uh, is, is the cinematic parade a specific thing, or is that just like a general? Comment? No, it's it's in it's in lowercase. So okay. it just seems to be uh, <laughs> someone took some poetic license. Oh right. Uh, to Jean Luc Godard for passion. For confrontation for a new kind of cinema. Wow. I like that one. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little inscription there. Uh for Eli Wallach for the lifetime's worth of indelible screen characters. I recognize the name, but I'm not picturing him. You probably know him best as the ugly from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yes. Okay. He's, Thank a, you. he's a great actor of stage and screen. Yes. Great hero of mine. I love Eli Wallach so much. And our Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award this evening goes to Nicolas Cage's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. Congratulations, uncle. 
That's right. Uh, we do not have a Gordon E. Sawyer Award this evening again. That's kind of sad. What's going on? Yeah, just two years running so far. So I guess we'll find out next week whether we whether that's three weeks in a row, three years in a row. Mm. But that is our Oscar breakdown. Okay. okay. So now it's time to talk about this movie. Let's talk about this movie. This movie, The King's Speech. How does one talk about The King's Peach? Round and full. Plump and juicy. So, yeah. You said when you saw the film in theaters, you thought it was, would you say, fine? Fine. fine? It's fine. Fine. It's still fine. <laughs> I, I giggle a few times in the movie, but that's about all the emotion I can muster from this film. I like it. It's charming. Um, I'm holding my tongue till a bit later, but I guess I'll... I'll paint a little foreshadowing. It's a stacked year. It is a stacked year. And compared to some, it might underwhelm a bit. But it's it's one of those movies that it's sweet and on its own rather inoffensive. And Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these films, if it would have just disappeared into the annals of time and been one of those asterisks in a couple of really good actors' film career. You know, there's nothing against it, but to call this the best picture of 2010 is wild. I agree. <laughs> I think there's something kind of Nietzsche about this film, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. But I also, I'm obsessed with Colin Firth. So <laughs> my experience is colored with my obsession with the man. So yeah, that's absolutely fair. I, I myself love a good spot of Gambon in a movie. So yeah. Seeing him in here for a few scenes was real nice, and yeah, course, I mean, uh, he's he's really good too. I mean, it's sad, you know, but he in his two brief moments, he's very strong and very uh, giving a good performance. He's he is commanding. He is very kingly. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's Guy Pierce, who I have repeatedly said is if I were a director, I would cast in literally everything. Yeah, the man is a chameleon. I've yeah. never seen Guy Pierce give the same performance twice. No, you're absolutely right. And if Jonathan were here, he would, of course, you know, uh, confess more of his love for Jeffrey Rush. I think he's, you know, I won't speak for him too much. We'll get his thoughts next time, but I know he loves uh, him. And I think he's, you know, the heart of the movie for me. And I feel for King George VI, obviously. And, what I like about the movie is that it breaks down the whole, you know, we're all just people. Mm -hmm. You're only important because tradition or whatever says so. And when you just break it down to two people talking, it's really just absurd sometimes thinking about royalty and all that. Yeah. And it's, it's really well illustrated in the scene where they're practicing for his confirmation. And uh, Jeffrey Rush sits in that one old chair i can't remember yeah the name of it. yeah you can't sit there you can't sit there like why, why not people have carved their name into it, it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's a very good chair <laughs> yeah and i think they have great chemistry together and, um, oh i do too they yeah. they are definitely the parts that are better than the sum so uh you know christina i know you also enjoy uh historical dramas and like biographies is that 
kind of mm-hmm. one of your things. So what do you uh, feel about or get out of the film in that regard? It's definitely not the most accurate film, which we can kind of break down the inaccuracies if we'd like. Okay. Um, But I think most of them are justified by mostly the narrative pacing and what is it? The, the, the inspiration behind making this film. I think, I think, I think the inaccuracies are justified within that. This could have been a very messy film is sort of where I'm getting at. If they tried to make it an accurate film. Yeah. Which, I mean, I could pitch some inaccuracies to you all and then maybe see how that affects the way you see this movie, if you'd like. Yeah, Yeah, I'd like to hear that. One of the, there's two inaccuracies I'd like to point out. So the relationship between George and Lionel, his speech uh, pathologist, that actually started about 10 years before the movie is set. Oh, wow. Um, because I mean, radio was starting to get big in the twenties and they had already, I don't want to say diagnosed George with a speech impediment, but they had already anticipated this being a a potential issue. Right. So by the time we're being introduced to their relationship in the movie, they would have had 10 years of rapport in their pocket in real life. Gotcha. So I wonder if, a lot of the other ones, the other speech therapists he'd seen were just like invented in place of where he'd actually been working with Lionel or something. Or or spread out through time before yeah. Lionel where where we get the condensed timeline here. Right. Maybe he had been working with speech pathologists in his youth that weren't working out, but they just kind of do that as the one-off with a couple of them in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of just attached to that, but there are other inaccuracies under that umbrella that I don't want to say they aren't important, but like, for example, in that very last scene where you see uh, George delivering his last speech and Lionel's in the same room. So that's Mm -hmm. not completely accurate, but something Lionel would do when George had his speeches, he would write notes onto the paper so things like pause, take a breath, like the things you see him doing in the movie, those would have just been written cues okay. on his speeches. Uh, but I think they did a really good job of just transposing what those notes may have looked like in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. I like that as an um, artistic uh, license there. Yeah. And I, I had read somewhere that they had found his one of his journals while working with George and... Uh, that last couple of lines where he says you you stammered on the W's and George replies with the I had to let him know it was still me. Yeah, was apparently two lines that were written in one of his notebooks about them. Oh, that's awesome. Well, they were able to recover some of the notes that Lionel did write in his therapy sessions with George, and some of that did make it into the film. So I can't I can't tell you exactly what made it into the film, but. That's likely. Yeah, but not not knowing kind of kind of helps with what they did embellish or condense or whatnot, so that you don't know you don't know all of the margins. Right. So, yeah. uh, um, a question about the cinematography. What are um those angles? I I, rem- I hate the cinematography in this movie. <laughs> no. Just, 
No, what? I think the cinematography is so kind of personable, especially when they're doing have the conversations and it switches back and forth. I I think my biggest problem with a lot of the cinematography in this is the flippant use of negative space mm. where where there's there's sometimes from time to time you you get this idea that Bertie feels small like he doesn't belong but other times they're just like oh we're just gonna put somebody down in the corner of the frame and have everything over their left shoulder just be in the frame mm. like here's a medium shot of of Lionel and then everything over his left shoulder it's just there. There's no reason for it. <laughs> well, I think it's a good looking film overall, but sometimes I think uh, I what I like about it is that it's shot differently from a lot of this kind of period uh, British films, I guess, from, from this period of time, not necessarily when the film was made, but the, you know, the 30s and 40s. And but I do feel like sometimes the shots are unnecessary i guess like there's shots that feel like they were picked to be artistic and that and not have heft or meaning behind them yeah i don't mind it so much but i was i was noticing it more on a rewatch so i like how the the use of color though there's um sometimes it's more saturated and it kind of fits the mood and it's not very subtle though yeah that's for sure I heard a uh, hey, Queen. I don't Elizabeth. think Tom Hooper does subtle though. Oh, that's we we go on through his next couple of films and <laughs> there's not a lot of subtlety there. Okay. I heard uh Queen Elizabeth had a um a viewing of this before it was released widely and she I guess basically gave it her stamp of approval or said it was moving. And I guess that means something, you know, uh as far as seeing a movie about your dad. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to see their their paternal figure done unjustly. Yeah. I know you have a lot of thoughts, Paul, and I don't know if most of those are <laughs> for, like, the, uh, when we ask our big questions. I, I mean, most of, most of my thoughts on this are just, everything's fine. Uh, <laughs> there's, it's so inoffensive, and it's so, I don't know, they, there's it's a movie. Ab- yeah, there's yeah, that's the best way to put it. It's a movie. <laughs> there's there's nothing in it where I was where again, I, I don't have strong emotions about this film. I have more strong emotions about the things that it won or things that it was nominated for that it took up space that something else could have been there. It just mm. the movie's not necessarily dull. I think I think uh the the two leads are good in it. I think mm-hmm. Rush is exceptional. I think he's the definitely the best performance of the film. Yeah. Uh I, I like Firth in it, but I don't have Christina's deep seated love of him. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's that's not to say like there are plenty of things that I've seen Colin Firth in where I'm like, wow, that was a really great performance. Yeah, a sing uh single man is Probably one of my favorites of his. He's yeah, he's really good. So good in that. Uh, Not to interrupt, but have you all actually have you all actually listened to the speech that George is giving? Like, have you ever actually listened to the actual speech? You know, I did like ten years ago, but I I need to listen to it again. Uh, I mean, it's 
it's kind of scary how similar Colin's speech is to George's. Yeah, because yeah, he wasn't he wasn't even the first pick for this role. I'm trying to remember who was, but it, it came down to him coming back for an audition and pretty much hitting the voice spot on that got him the role. Nice. So yeah, the, I, I believe that it's very close. And I mean, and that's that's one of the things where I, I think he's doing a very good performance, and I'm sure his his voice work is up to par. But again, that's that's something I've been going on about here for a couple of years uh, that we've covered where Mm -hmm. he's doing a lot of quantifiable acting. Yeah. And the Academy likes, they like acting that they can see on screen and that you, that emulates. Yeah. And that again, that's nothing against him. I think he's doing a very good job in this. It's just, who's he up against? Do you have an idea of someone like if you had to recast who you think you would have been better? Not particularly. I, I, you know who I would have went with? Go. Kenneth Bernoff. Is that how you oh, say his name? Brana. Brana. Okay, thank you for correcting he's, me. That's who Irish. I would have picked. Yeah, he's Irish, so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, <laughs> I'm just saying that's that. There's a lot of ah in ah in like Gaelic. Yeah. Um. No, that's a great pick. Brana yeah. would have would have knocked this out of the park because that man can eat a ton of scenery and he would have been fun to watch. <laughs> um, as much as I, I'm not a huge, huge fan of his, like I think Franco in 127 hours is probably his best performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. While I maybe don't want to give him that award now, like in 2010, I was hundred percent in the pocket for that. Hmm. I think that's, you know, that's one of the challenges because Franco had an advantage because he was able to speak with the real Aaron Mm -hmm. during production and actually watch the videos. So I agree. Best performance, but he definitely had an advantage. Yeah. But he, Mm -hmm. but just the fact that he has to command that screen by himself for pretty much the entire movie. (laughs) And he makes being stuck in a hole. So captivating. Yeah. I felt the same way watching. I was like, I don't want to feel bad for James Franco, but <laughs> here I am. Here I am. <laughs> well, son of a bitch. <laughs> Who else was in the category? Uh, Eisenberg for the Social Network, which is another mm. performance that is incredible. Mm. Uh, yes. Bridges and True Grit, which is, to be fair, him just kind of playing Bad Blake again. Yeah. But it, but it's Jeff Bridges, and I love Bridges. Uh, and then Javier Bardem for Beautiful, the Inyara 2 film. Maybe there's some uh, some omissions from the nominees, though. And we can... Oh, there are definitely omissions from the nominees. Yeah. But, yeah, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Firth. I just, I wouldn't put him in the, the category personally. And he wins it because like, I, you can yeah. just see him acting on screen. You can You can hear him changing his affectation and his voice and putting on the stutter and like, and he's doing a good job. Yeah. You know, who should have won and I'm not going to say their name. I'm just going to say, come back and listen tomorrow. Oh, Mm. (laughs) maybe. But yeah, uh, again, I I just Carter's good. Yeah. I I don't think there's any bad performances in this film. I just, nothing, nothing really like watching this movie made me go, wow, this is, 
this has got Academy Award written all over it. I, I walked out of the theater 10, uh, 12 years ago and it's just like, okay, yeah, I watched that. What's yeah. next? <laughs> okay. Well, unless uh, Christina has any other thoughts or um, things she wanted to share, I think we can move on to the next thing and then we can start revealing some more of our feelings about the year. Uh, I mean, the only other thing I was going to say, I think one of the reasons I really, really like this movie. So David Seidler, I, I watched the interview where he said the reason he wrote the screenplay is because he grew up with a crippling stutter of his own. Mm. And something that frustrated him is because when movies are made about individuals that can't communicate effectively, it's usually within this umbrella of... And I don't mean to be crass or there's usually right. sort of like a disability element mm-hmm. that isn't quite stuttering. So right. he really wanted to capture that struggle of not being able to communicate, which I think is at the heart of this movie and why I think the broad applicability of it kind of gets swept. That's why I like this movie. Gotcha. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. Communication is key is, tantamount to anyone uh, being able to express yourself properly. And when you're in a position where communication is essentially the number one skill you have or supposed to have. Yeah. I I could see how debilitating that would be and having to overcome the lack of communication is inspiring to anyone who has had to suffer with that. Anything else we want to cover before we move on? I think I'm set. All right, then we are, we do not have, our national film registry anymore. We have run out of films next year mm-hmm. is the last year and nothing from 2011 is in. So we're just going to say, uh, when the 2022 national film registry comes around, what are some films from 2010 you would like to see make it? We'll do like two, maybe three. I'm looking at three right here that pop off for me. Okay. Is Inception an American film? I can't because yes, Inception okay. is an American film. It is okay. produced by Warner Brothers. Yeah, I'm going to say Inception as one. That's a, that's a great choice. Uh, and the Social Network. Darn you, Zach! <laughs> I'm sorry. This is why this is why we all, we usually have our guests go first on these things. <laughs> oh, I, maybe I'll stop and. I'll stop now. And I'll save my last. No, one. no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, ahead, go, go for your third. Uh, okay. Third one is going to be Black Swan. That's a good. That's a good choice. Those are my three. All right. Christina, any picks for you? I mean, the social network was the one I was going to go to. I just I find it to be a very culturally relevant film. So mm-hmm. that I'm just going to keep my pick. Thank you, Zach, for. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good uh. pick. That is good. You're right. Any for you, Mr. Workman? Oh, I was looking. Um, I mean, personally, I'd, I'd like to see Tron Legacy make it in. I'm a big nerd for the Tron movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's uh, kind of the film that really kicks off these Lego sequels. For better or worse? For better or for worse. I mean, we've gotten some good Lego sequels since this. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. Well, some people don't consider that. They consider that a reboot, but... Nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of good things there. Um, Couple dominating the box office right now. You know what? I'll I'll go ahead and say True Grit. Let's let's get a pair of a pair. Nice pair of bridges in there. Okay. I love bridges. 
Very good. All right. Uh, I believe it's our Razzie breakdown now. Razzie breakdown. So, the worst picture, the last airbender. Oh, that's mm. uh, well deserved. What a heartbreaking yeah. film. Yeah, it is. I'm not even going to name the other ones. It it, it deserved. Uh, worst <laughs> worst actor goes to Ashton Kutcher in Killers and Valentine's Day. Okay. Beating Jack Black in Gulliver's Travels. Uh, right. Gerard Butler in The Bounty Hunter. That's terrible. That is an awful film. Poor Taylor Lautner, Twilight, and uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, neither one of them need to be there. Worst actress goes to the four gal pals from Sex and the City 2. That's just Kristen Stewart's in there, too. So, uh, All right. Worst supporting actor, Jackson Rathbone in The Last Airbender and Twilight. Oh, yeah. They cast him as Sokka, the whitewashing of Sokka. And whitewashing of the whole movie. Okay, uh, I'll give it to whitewashing. Yes. Yeah. Always the fucking worst. Worst supporting actress goes to Jessica Alba and The Killer Inside Me, Little Fockers, Machete, and Valentine's Day. So, yeah, they like, like you said, they just like to pile it on. Yeah, that's it. Um, worst screen couple, the entire cast is Sex and the City 2. Uh, yeah. Worst two prequel, people. yeah. Worst prequel, remake, ripoff of a sequel, Sex and the City 2. Beating Clash of the Titans, The Last Airbender uh, should have been in there. That should have won. Um, Twilight Saga Eclipse and Vampires Suck. I, that That's a terrible movie in general. Yeah, that should have. Worst director goes to Shyamalan for The Last Airbender. Yeah. I mean, his direction is actually okay. It's the screen, the screenplay that's bad. Well, there you go. He, win, he wins worst screenplay too. So. <laughs> worst eye gouging misuse of 3D goes to the. That's a new category, I guess. Yeah, last, we're we're just starting to get in like Avatar really kicks off the 3D boon in 2009. So we're just like in the first wave of right bad 3D. <laughs> they give it to the last Airbender beating out Cats and Dogs of Red Jump Kitty Galore, Clash of the Titans, The Nutcracker, uh but by the title worst eye gouging misuse. You uh, saw 3D. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that should have won for the title alone. I can't imagine going to see Saw in three. Did I don't know. I'm not a fan of those kind of movies anyway. So, yeah, yeah. not a torture porn fan. No. So that's it. I kind of ran through it quickly. It's mostly, you know, Twilight and The Last Airbender and Sex in the City too. So blah 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 blah. Okay. Do we want to jump into our worsty judgments? Worsty judgment. Christina, this is your first time on this show. Yeah. So we're going to ask you two questions. Sorry if I stole your thunder there, Zach. No, you're fine. Um, Our first question for the evening is, did this film deserve to win Best Picture? No. Would you like to elaborate on the no, or do you just want to stick with no? I'm sorry, can you Did you want to elaborate on your no, or do you just want to stick with no? I, if... If it was up to me, I would have either picked. No, I would have picked the fighter. Sorry, that that was my favorite Ooh, that year. Interesting pick. I like okay. that. That um, as as I discussed last week, uh, films I really enjoyed when I went to the movie theaters became my profile picture on Facebook around this time. 
the fighter spent quite a few weeks as my Facebook pro- profile picture. Nice. Very the nice. King's speech did not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Zach, is, did this film deserve best picture? I'm going to have to go with a strong no out of the gate as well. And, uh, so this year I saw all the nominees, so I'll rank them. I won't spend too much time because that could be lengthy because there's so many nominees of the other nominees. Number nine, I have The Kids Are All Right, which is actually a, a still a good movie. Um, but I just didn't like it as much as some of the others. Number eight, I have True Grit, which I really do like as a movie, but I don't think it's one of the Coen's best. It's, you know, a remake, but it's a, a, a good take on, on the original. Uh, number seven, I have 127 hours, which I thought was really good, uh, but not the kind of movie I ever like. Again, like when we were talking about um, Hurt Locker. Oh, I'm going to watch 127 hours. It's just not something that pops into my head. I respect the film. It's Danny Boyle is doing a lot of good visual stuff, and him and Franco working together. Like you said, so much tension and drama in a hole in the ground or hole in the you know whatever. <laughs> um, and then next I have The Fighter, which I also really, really like. Winter's Bone at number five. That was my introduction to Jennifer Lawrence and a celebrity crush for a bit. My celebrity crushes are always based on their talent, not so much their looks, although, you know, she's very pretty as well, obviously. But I do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I love that movie. Shout out to the Walmart $5 bin <laughs> Thanksgiving 2011. Um, and then number four, I have Toy Story 3. I know, uh, Paul, you know, you'll shake your fist at it, but I love that movie. I cried so many times. Saw it twice in theaters. I'm not shaking my fist at it. It's just the Superman 4 Toy Story films. That's all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then I kind of, uh, you know, spoiled my top three of the others by naming my (laughs) (laughs) my picks for the library of congress but number three i have inception number two social network number one black swan and then the king's speech slides in at number seven behind the fighter for me so it's inception social network and black swan i could depending on the day i could probably juggle them as which one's my favorite or best of the year Although I, I do sometimes think Inception's a little long. It could be trimmed a little, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But Social Network, Black Swan, or Masterpieces. Movie we're talking about tomorrow that I'm not going to name, but, you know, that's a great film as well. Anybody seen Four Lions? No. It has, um, gosh, I can't remember his name right now. He's in The Apostle. Robert I, Duvall? <laughs> Does I have Robert Duvall in it? Not Robert Duvall. No. I'll be honest, I can't remember any of the names of the actors. It's a British film about uh these uh bum it's like a black comedy about jihadists, but they're like Oh wait, has, does it have Riz Ahmed in it? Does it? it oh my god, now I got to look. Because I think Robert Duvall, he's in a movie that has the word lions in it. That's why I got Secondhand lions. Thank you. <laughs> But I think Riz Ahmed is in the one you are I talking about. I think you're right. It is. Oh, my gosh. It is. Holy I, shit, it is. I need to go back. I haven't seen that since 2010, and I'd forgot about it being him. That's awesome. All the more reason to suggest it. Paul, you need to see that movie. I, I, it sounds delightful. 
Yes, it's hilarious. And yeah, um, lots of good movies in this year. Uh, shout out to the town, How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, I love the town. Rubber. And yeah, and you know if you and Jonathan were here, you could bond some more over Scott Pilgrim. But it's a perfect film. Yeah, so I'm going to stop there and say, no, I don't think this deserved Best Picture. It was my number seven out of the ten nominees. Uh, there's probably other films that I could have bumped into the ten to knock out the bottom three or four. So there you go, my long answer. And, Paul, it's your turn. My turn. I guess I'll do this. Uh, I really wanted to watch all these films over the last couple weeks, but I got through a couple of them and just... I don't know. I've been kind of lethargic these last couple of weeks and I haven't watched a ton of movies. Yeah, it's understandable. Uh, but uh for memory, I'll try to go through this as best I can. I have not seen the kids are all right. I wanted to watch it this week, but I just didn't get to it. Uh Julianne Moore is amazing in it. That's, what, that's, I, that's one of the main I things hear. I remember. Yeah. I'm a big fan of everybody in that. Net yeah. Mark Ruffalo, Buffalo, Wild Wings. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, so going through the other eight nominees, um, Winner's Bone is at my number eight. It's fine. Uh, true Crit goes... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, okay. Number seven is Toy Story 3. Number six would probably be uh, Inception. Um, number four... Five is going to be the fighter, which is really getting into my like upper tier of films. Mm -hmm. Um, so the fighter, then man, I should have wrote these down. This is too many fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> it is five. Okay, no, very move easy. the fighter up. Put True Grit at five. Okay, fighter at four. Uh, hundred twenty-seven hours at three. Social Network at two, Black Swan at one. That was my favorite film of the year. Uh, King's Speech on this list is going only above Winter's Bone. Uh, okay. Maybe, and that's just that's just from memory. I haven't seen Winter's Bone since 2010, and I don't remember hardly anything from it. I should have watched it this week, so it's it's kind of just going down at that spot because I it's the one I remember the least about, so that must not mean a lot about it. So There you go. Um, like I always confuse it with Frozen River, which came out like the year before with Jeremy Renner. Okay. Uh, I or I feel like whoever trap. see I don't even remember yeah. who's in these fucking <laughs> movies. Like, <laughs> there's Frozen River and Winter's Bone came out way too close to each other, and for some reason they meld together in my mind, and I don't remember which one's which or what they're both about. So they're icy and cold. There you go. Fuck both of those movies. <gasps> I don't know. <laughs> I'm being aggressive for no reason. I see. Um, yeah, so King's Speech is going down there. No, I don't think it does her best picture. It's fine. It's fine. Good. So we're starting 2010s off with a bang. <laughs> All right. So, Christina, our second question is Is this the worst best picture ever? No. Do you have. A best picture that you think is the worst best picture ever. Okay, you know what? It's not the worst. But I'm going to go on record and say that Dog Day Afternoon should have won against One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Ooh. So, Ooh. there. Hey, you're never <laughs> going to get any arguments out of uh, out of 
championing a, a lament film out of me. So right, I remember <laughs> Paul gave them both five stars, and you're like, that was the year that I said there was a four way tie on my best picture. Yeah, yeah. Is there one you hate, or you just want? Uh, I'm fine if that if you don't want to stay any further. Can't think of any right now that I just absolutely hate. Gotcha. Mm. There. No, I just. I got personal beef with that movie. I'm sorry. Gotcha. <laughs> beef will work out. We like beef. Eat a pork chop. Mm. All right, Zach. Is this the worst best picture ever? Mm, no. I gave it a solid four out of five stars, and I'm currently looking at my list of where I'm going to put this. I feel like it should cozy up at number 40 in between How Green Was My Valley and A Beautiful Mind. So I'm going to put it at number 40. Of what are we at now? 83. 83. 40 of 83. Middle of the Jesus, pack. Jesus Christ, we've watched more than 83 <laughs> movies for this show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. You've kept me sane on all my Friday nights. I love you. Love you too, brother. All right. And me. Is this the worst you. best picture of all time? No. No, this, this movie's too inoffensive to be the worst. I gave it three out of five stars. Hmm. Uh, I believe I said that this was a really weird sequel to A Man for All Seasons. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, the whole royalty and divorce aspect. Um, okay. Oh, 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 yeah. I have this down at 66 of 83. Hmm. Man for All Seasons is at 69, just in case you uh, needed. Uh, know where that is it's funny a man for all seasons is my number 66 nice <laughs> uh i have this right above grand hotel and right below Lawrence olivier's hamlet okay both also fine nice films yeah they're good hamlet gets hamlet got the uh the edge because it has that badass sword fight in it it does that sword fight's so good okay all right well, Am I, I forgetting believe... anything? With Jonathan missing, I'm, we're, our flow is off. Yeah, yeah. He's he's usually our wild card. Uh, right. So, we usually call it there, I believe. Yeah. Christina, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Yes, Thank absolutely. you for having me. Is, uh, is there anywhere you would like to plug your social medias? Uh, my Instagram name is zero underscore complaints. And I can also be found on letterbox.com slash zero underscore complaints. Excellent. Uh, Zach, where can people find you out in the social medias? You can find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, uh, TikTok at House Havoc, and Letterbox by searching my name. And you, Mr. Workman. Uh, you can find me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where I'm keeping a ranking tally of all the films I watch. And today I went and watched Boz Lerman's Elvis. Yes. Which is exactly the movie that you think it is. There are no surprises in that film whatsoever. Okay. Uh, also, if uh, you want to watch Elvis in the comfort of your own home, just watch Walk Hard. It's streaming now on Hulu and the free, <laughs> the free Peacock. Okay. <laughs> You're going to get just as much out of that film, and it's an hour shorter. All right. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm going to rush to see it, but uh, I'll probably watch it one day. Because I, I'm, uh, sometimes, you know, we've talked in the past, you know, sometimes I like 
know, I like Moulin Rouge. That's about it. <laughs> I was say the I will say the opening 30, 20 or 30 minutes, however long it is, is a coke fueled nightmare. Ooh. Which was the best part of the movie. And okay. then as soon as it gets past the first like 20 or 30 minutes, it settles down into all of the biopic tropes that you have ever seen in every biopic movie. And it's dull, but it's pretty. Okay. Well, I'll watch the first half hour then. Yeah. I'll drink an energy <laughs> drink and get into it. I'm telling you, if the whole movie would have just been that coke fueled nightmare, it would have been like this would have been like the Mad Max Fury Road of biopics, and <laughs> I would have gone with it. <laughs> nice. But it just it settles down way too hard into the, into the tropes. Uh, Christina, you've got uh, something lined up to watch. Is it this weekend? I, I remember there you had like a Facebook post, or did you watch it already? Taxi Driver. I post. Yes, I watched it yesterday. Oh, well, so. let's save that for tomorrow's episode. Okay, that yes. sounds good. Where it'll be a little more relevant. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching The Artist, which you can stream for free. What? It's free on YouTube? That's interesting. Pluto TV and Tubi also. If you want to give Jeff Bezos more money, you can rent it on Amazon, uh, Google, or Vudu. So, but yeah, shout out Pluto TV and Tubi. Excellent. I always like when we get to mention those. Yes. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Trav Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at The Oscarsity Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. All. No, I shouldn't do that. That's not <laughs> almighty algorithm. That's right. No, I'm not going to mimic a stutter. I already did. <laughs> Shame on me. That's ableist. That's ableist. It, it, not it is. You're right. So, <laughs> but we still Damn it. You. Thanks. You, you realized your mistake before you carried I did. Stop. Four. Christina Reynolds. Normally Jonathan. Definitely Zach. As long as he plays off the ableist jokes. Yeah. And... Guy Pierce, the greatest Guy actor Pierce. of all time. We would like for you all to have a damn fine day.